Hello and welcome to episode number four of European UFOs. I'm your host Sebastian and if you like this episode then please make sure to subscribe and leave a review, it really helps. Evidence for UFOs comes in many forms of which official government documents are undoubtedly one of the most intriguing ones. For many years now, and in many different countries, private researchers have uncovered a plethora of files showing unarguably that there is not only a public but also government interest in UFOs. In recent years, and due to public demand, some governments have declassified at least some of their UFO files. Yet more dramatic developments may be on the horizon. As this episode is being recorded, the US is in the process of preparing the necessary legal steps to declassify government UFO records as required, if ratified, by the so-called Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act of 2023. In recent years, the UK has declassified numerous files, including drawings, letters and photos documenting UFO activity. In this episode, we take a closer look if similar developments can be noted for Europe's economic powerhouse, Germany. The epicenter of the Cold War for more than 40 years, Germany provides a historically complex and rather unique example of government involvement with UFOs. Here with me to discuss Germany's UFO files is Andreas Müller, a well-known and highly respected researcher and journalist who's recently investigated the history of official UFO documentation in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Hi, Andreas. Really great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks a lot. I'm very good, and I'm looking forward because I've uh, experienced your podcast just recently and very much like it. So, yeah, looking forward to a nice chat. Excellent. Well, um, I've been following Grenzwissenschaften Aktuell for several years now, and I have to really admit one of my favorite treats is in the morning to have a coffee and go through Grenzwissenschaften Aktuell. And um, yeah, for our audience, could you perhaps uh, briefly tell them what Grenzwissenschaften Aktuell is, because it also leads into your background in general. Okay, well, grenzwissenschaft-aktuell.de mm -hmm. is my portal. It's a news portal uh, about all sorts of uh, the animalistic phenomena and um, frontiers in science. That's the tradition I see myself in. I want to give all these the, the, this wide spectrum of what people generally refer to as paranormal phenomena, um, a serious and science-based uh, platform, which uh, was not available, uh, at least not in Germany, before, um, yeah, before I started that. And um, yeah, it's I cover quite a range of topics. Of course, UFOs or UAPs is one of the main topics, but I also cover typical. Uh, parapsychological stuff, uh, hauntings, ghosts, cryptozoology. And, but of course, I'm not reporting about, let's say, uh, the, the newest uh, YouTube video of something, but um, I cover studies, uh, papers, events, or, um, yeah, and, and, and current develop, developments. But um, I'm fascinated about the phenomena. I also can admit that I 
if you if you will believe in the possibilities of many of them but i'm always open and also skeptical but skeptical as far as i see on a, on a positive in a positive way interested and open minded into those topics and into the possibilities that there could be something really going on Yeah, and what I really appreciate both about your um, your website and also your um, recent research, which we're going to talk about today, is your focus on scientific rigor and, you know, that you don't just throw things out there, but you actually check them. And I think, you know, in the field of UAP and UFOs, unfortunately, especially online, that doesn't happen a lot so i think it's a really good resource so um yeah so as you said it's um um really good to check out your site i can only um, take this as a compliment thanks a lot <laughs> um but how did you get involved um with this field of anom um, anomalous phenomena um was this just something that always interested you so could you tell us a bit about your background what got you involved with this Well, yeah, actually, as many of us, it started when I was, well, not a kid, but a youngster. And I had my, my grandfather gave me some books on, yeah, very popular books on, uh, unsolved mysteries. And, uh, yeah, it was summaries of, 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 of the most prominent cases of all sorts, hauntings, UFOs, got, um, Yeah, Loch Ness monster and things like this. And I always liked like those stories. And um, but I always uh, was most fascinated by those phenomena that were kind of tangible. Tangible. Like I was less. Uh, um, I mean, I was spooked by ghosts, but not so much fascinated by ghosts. So I liked uh, UFOs and cryptozoology because I always thought, okay, there is something. Um, that in best case could really be studied as a body or a craft or whatever. And so when I was on a Waldorf school and on the Waldorf school at the, in, in the 12th class, you do what's called a one year work. That's, um, you, you decide the topic on your own and you have to find a mentor out from the, from the, from the teachers. And I wanted to do, I wanted to cover the topic of uh, UFOs, but even on the Waldorf school, there was a math teacher and a physics teacher and they didn't appreciate the topic. They said, Oh, you couldn't, you cannot cover this, uh, uh objectively and there's no real sources and whatever. And of course, they had. They had no idea about the topic themselves. But by reading um, about UFOs, uh, when I was a youngster, I also uh, happened to have uh, read stories about these landing uh, sites, uh, which later were referred to as crop circles. And then I said, okay, this is a topic, uh, What if you believe in it or not, but crop circles are there, so you can go and visit them, study them, measure them, whatever. And so that was in 1994 when I went for my, for, for the school project to England to see and investigate crop circles myself. And I said, I have, um, I would say about myself that I have a quite scientific based inquisitive mind. And I thought that if I would be, if I would see only things that are easily to be explained with boys with boards, um, and, and farmers and, and, and pranksters doing it. This would be a nice summer holiday, but no reason for me to return. 
and it developed completely differently after that. That was the first of more than 30 summers in, in the British fields, because even on this first occasion, I experienced things, I've seen things, I've learned things from, for example, farmers who told me that the crop circle phenomenon is much older than I ever read somewhere in newspapers or even in the then contemporary literature about it. And so, um, yeah, I saw strange stuff myself. And um, so I, I soon be uh, became one of the, of the very focused uh, crop circle researchers for quite some while. And uh, I worked together with laboratories and universities to investigate crop circles. And in 2000 and, um, 2014, I curated the very first um, uh, museum exhibition in a, in a proper nature scientific museum, which is the Wiltshire Museum in Wiltshire, about the history and the research or into the crop circle phenomenon. And so the so this was when I learned from the beginning on that um, what I read, for example, in newspapers or even in some books about crop circles that try to explain everything with, as said, boys with boards, and that this was not the whole story, and that there was um, that, that there was good scientific work done already on the topic. And um, so I thought this is interesting to see that there is a gap between. What, we, what you can read in popular literature about it and you can see on television and anything where they claim everything is man-made and, and, and a big fun and the facts that you can that you can actually study in the field and so I early early on I started to write about it as a journalist I uh, soon wrote also for in Germany for quite um, respected journals like the Geo magazine, I think it was the first who placed a, a crop circle article in Geo magazine, even if it's not peer reviewed, but and so not a not a scientific journal, but it is. Yeah, it was very hard. It was like a little peer review to get that article placed in Geo, and things like that. And so then I worked for uh, for a platform like mine, like Grenzwissenschaft aktuell that I have now and that platform um, went down and there was this time when I had to decide, okay, um, will, will I continue to do this work? Uh, because actually we already had a lot of readers. And so that was, uh, it was not the same as Grenzwissenschaft aktuell, but similar. And so in 2007, I decided to, to take it on, on my own. Yeah. And since then I'm doing that and st still, um, do I still have an interest in crop circles? Not so much as as in the past. Um, and then in, uh, with Grenzwissenschaft aktuell, I also covered quite extensively international development in ufology and in UFO matters. And even before 2017, I realized that there is a development going on in the states, and especially, of course, with the we all know the the. Um, New York Times article, yes. things dramatically changed. And, I've, and I kind of foresaw it that um, there will be many questions to be answered in the, in the near future. And I asked myself, what is a journalist uh, unlike me, a journalist who has no idea about UFOs or even the normal, the normal reader, what are they doing in Germany if they want to find out about German UFO files and the political approach towards the topic? 
And um, of course, there were some articles. There was also great work has been done by others who sent in inquiries to some ministries and stuff like this uh, before that. But there was no compilation of what was already already known and what was still unknown because in um, if, if in 2000 and was it, I think it was also 14 or so, I, for example, discovered myself with the help of uh, Dr. Ralph Bülow, um, uh, a whole until then completely unknown um, file of the German intelligence service, uh, Bundesnachrichtendienst, BND, about UFOs on the inner German border. And so, yeah, I from that on, I, I realized there's no no real proper book on that topic and no good book with, I mean, with uh, source referenced and everything. And that, then I decided to write it myself. Excellent. Well, thanks thanks for this overview. Um, so normally at this point, I would probably ask you to go into the uh, chronology of the UFO files and your research and what you discovered. However, we live in really exciting and, exciting and kind of, uh, you know, ontology shattering times. So um, could you perhaps as a journalist and as a professional researcher um, give our audience a flavor of what the current view both in the public and also perhaps from a more um, official point of view in Germany is towards the UAP phenomenon, because with David Grush, et cetera, coming forward now, what's the attitude? Unfortunately, the attitude has not changed uh, dramatically here in Germany, at least not from, from an official point of view. The ministries still claim that they are not interested in it. The government claims as it does since decades, um, that there is no real interest in it. Even if you are placed, of course, rec on a regular basis, I place inquiries to, uh, to our, um, Department of Defense and things like that. But, uh, and I ask specific question about the, um, the developments that we mainly see in the United States. And I always ask things like, um, did, for example, German uh, authorities participate in in international meetings that the AARO had with the with the um, with the Five Eyes or Five Eyes Plus, which is this intelligence club, so to say, from uh, the United States and other countries, uh, or if they um, if they participate or if they are uh, some of the in many times mentioned international partners of the United States uh, inquiries of AARO and things like this. And there's always a kind of a null or zero reply, which they normally they try to say, oh, we are not commenting on developments and, and actions of other states or other parties. And if I refer, if I explain to them, well, I was not asking you to give a comment on other or in other countries, I asked you about your position or your um, your reaction or your plans to to deal about it. And they say, "Oh, yeah." They give you you know answers like, "Well, of course, we are constantly um, talking with our international partners, but we cannot get we cannot go into specifics." And so, 
it's very unfortunate because um, in my book, it, it has more than 450 pages. I completely show that the opposite is the case, that German governments and ministries have, and the military have always been interested in UFOs or UAPs uh, for whatever reason. Um, they were never hunting aliens or never never hunting the the extraterrestrial hypothesis, but there were military and intelligence uh, and espionage reasons for, for example, uh, uh, building up this this uh, UFO files of the BND, the German intelligence service, towards uh, the Soviet Union and the German Democratic Republic. Um, and within those within those cases, I, I'm sure we will talk about it later. There are also very interesting and still unresolved UFO cases. Um, I mean, UFO cases, which are also interested from our perspective. Um, so, but still, at the moment, we have no official um, body like the French do with Japan or with AARO in the United States and many other countries had. And we also never had a proper uh, UFO project. We had smaller projects like this, like this file of the BND or um, uh, some ministries were interested in the international development. And in general, there is also the, the claim or, or the, the statement by our government, government and military that the German military never had detected a, an, an, an object or a phenomena that they, that they were not later unable to explain. Um, which, yeah, is of course another big topic of discussion um, because there are actually reasons for that being uh, very likely true. But uh, I think we also yes. talk about this later. Oh, yeah. um, so they, they do; they are not lying, but the circumstances are uh, in, in, are created in such a way that they that they never will uh, detect an, an unidentified aerial phenomena as as long as they do not change their settings of the radar systems, which they, unlike the United States, for example, with the Chinese balloons, uh, Germany never did. So they didn't change their their radar system. So I'm, I personally think there's no, uh, <clears throat> there's no conspiracy going on in Germany. I think literally there's no real interest in it. And um, when we try, uh, I mean, there is. I have very good contacts to um, to government sources and military. For my book, I interviewed a lot of them, and it was always very um, good and fair and open and um, equal um, conversation uh, and and very open. But I really uh, had the had the became um, used to I, the idea that here in Germany. The military and the and and the, and politics are not aware of the consequences the a real UFO phenomenon has for politics, military, technology, and and, and society in general. So um, even if you show them very good cases here from Germany that happen close to an airport, they do not see the consequences such things do have. Uh, on flight security, you know, this is where you can start. You know, if they do not understand the scientific interest, you can you can show them these cases and say, if you do not know what that was, that was a real threat for air security, for flight, for for business flights, for whatever. So, but even this, there is no the awareness is not as as present as in the United States, 
And um, yeah, they at the moment, I think they try to observe and they hope that uh, the situation will not be like in the United States where the topic is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't, it can't become, uh, it can't get to a higher level as we are at yeah. the moment with the, with the Schumer initiative. This mm-hmm. stuff sits on the, on the desk of the president of the United States yes. now, you know? So yes. how can you dare to, um, to say this is, this is a stuff for freaks and cooks. And yeah. uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, your book is full of um, your requests to um, German officials. And I always found it, um, you know, I admire your stamina because I think after, you know, the 10th generic lawyer-like message, like, oh, um, there might be something, but actually we can't really comment on it or we will not comment on it, at, you know, in the most kind of uh, lawyer-like, boring uh, you know, way of saying things and actually not saying things. I think that would really frustrate me. So well done on, you know, kind of following this up. Well, so. to be honest, you know, I've, I think um, the secret is that I, tr- that I always try not to be an uh, oppressing and an annoying uh, com- partner in communication, you know, I'm, I do not, I, I, I even, we, we have, we have very, um, very clear, uh, communication about in when, when I got the, the last z- zero reply or null reply, um, I, f- I frankly wrote back and I said, listen, you know, the thing is, this is, this is not the real communication that we have here. It's not honest. It's not open. And, um, what you're doing, maybe you don't under, you don't see it, uh, but what you're doing, you're feeding conspiracy, conspiration of thinking or narratives. And none of us, not, not me nor you, have any interest uh, that cons- conspirational uh, narratives take over. So by maybe for next time, <clears throat> you it would be very nice if you think about um, a more decent answer. You know, even if the answer would be a clear no, we are not, we have no interest in it. Even if the, if the United States do this and that, we, we, we see it different. This would be an answer, even of course, not an answer that I would be very happy with and that I would, uh, that I would understand from content wise. Um, but it would be an answer, you know, and this other stuff, this is, as said, I, I, I don't know if this is an English expression, but it's a null uh, answer, and it creates more um, conspiracy, con- conspiracy uh, ideas of oh yeah, they are not telling us anything, and this is this is so unnecessarily, you know, they they do this these these answers create this uh, conspiration uh, narrative without any cause. There's no mm. reason for it to do so. And um, I mean, I'm, I, I never expected um, the, the spokesperson of the of the German military to to tell me uh, Germany's biggest uh, military secret uh, secrets, you know, behind closed doors or off the record. That's not the intention. It's, it's of course also a question of trying to bring awareness to politicians but and i'm also you know i'm also part of ifax the institute at the university of uh, würzburg led by professor hakan kayal and uh, he tries to make ifax the kind of german japan 
So uh, a kind of an official um, place where, for example, the police could report uh, uh, their uh, UFO sightings or military or whatever. And um, so there are contacts into 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 the politics and with politicians, but in many in many instances, one realizes okay, they they really do not see the need at the moment. They do not see that Germany gets uh, gets behind the United States when it comes to these things, and not only in the, on all on all levels, you know, military wise. Uh, science-wise, everything, you know. So, and that's that's unfortunate. And again, it's it's totally unnecessarily, and it's mm. uh, even if you do not believe in aliens. What about what what about the public? Because I believe that you know, if enough individuals from the public come forward, it could kind of trigger an avalanche, and you know, there will have to be some sort of formal statement. So, mm-hmm. what is the kind of um, cultural flavor of this topic in Germany, um, you know, in the context of what's currently going on in in the States? I mean, as in so many countries, um, with with the 2017 report in the New York Times, things have dramatically changed also here in the way that the that the big um, uh, medias are co- are covering the topic, where where for example the the magazine Der Spiegel for decades was only able to report about UFO developments with with giggling and with with jokes made, even if the when the when the when the British uh, uh, published their UFO records officially through their national archives. And you know these were hundreds and thousands of cases. The Spiegel selected the most ridiculous cases that were, of course, also embedded in these in these archives. For example, a guy who claimed that his dog was abducted by aliens, and when he came back, he was just meowing like a cat. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, and there were and there are there were cases embedded in these files from pilot sightings and radar trackings or whatever. So. But those were the, that was the stuff that the Spiegel was concentrating on. And even the Spiegel, uh, turned around and did a real good, uh, even a cover story, uh, where they very seriously covered, uh, for example, Hakan Kayal, the professor from Würzburg University and, and other, um, international UFO, uh, uh, scientists and researchers and developments with these, with all these tic tac and go fast and gimbal videos. So, so we we observe a change. Even the the, the most popular uh, science reporters from our uh, state television. I mean, it's not really state television, but uh, it's it's not private television. So, like the BBC, we have here the RID and the ZDF. <clears throat> even those uh, guys who were uh, the biggest UFO skeptics uh, on the planet, or at least in Germany for decades are now reporting relatively open uh, and with a, with a yeah they're trying to get to, to be as neutral as possible on the UAP developments um so this has changed and of course with that also the public awareness changed it, there still is a thing like there's still some people who 
who smile at you when they hear, oh, you wrote a book on UFOs, German UFO files. Does this exist at all? And oh, how funny and and stuff. But but those uh, those those are now in the in the minority. So I think it would be time also here and very. Uh, but but the public demand is not uh, that big as it is in the United States, and the pop and the political pressure is also even less strong. So that we have very few politicians who are, so to say, um, uh, pushing the topic into the parliament. For example, there's very little movement at the moment. But also, this will change because what we are actually observing at least in my point of view at the moment in the united states the 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 question about handling the uap topic whatever you believe the uaps are that's not the question but handling the uap topic will very likely become a big issue for the next uh, elections in the united states and i think you know it it will with with all the trouble that they that that Biden administration has at the moment, you know, very low um, uh, acceptance rates and everything, he is at the moment because he is the current president. So he, uh, what is the English expression for it? He sits on the longer end. Now, what is it? So so he is he's in the in the position to be active and to do things. To, yes. to become more openly open with with UAPs or UFOs, so um, so so this could be uh, this could be the joker that he has for the next um, for the next election. He could be the one to change things, mm. and it, uh, I think this is this is not only an idea that I make up. It is mm. with with the Schumer uh, with the Schumer um, amendment. This has become a really a serious political issue. You, it cannot get yes. uh, bigger. And in Germany, um, you know what I hear many times uh, when I try to speak with politicians or with, uh, with with spokespeople from ministry or military, they say things like, "Well, at the moment we have other issues," referring, to, of course, to the unfortunate situation in the Ukraine. Uh, others say climate change, whatever. But this can't be a reason for not to dealing with this important topic because we are dealing even even in after nights of 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 new attacks from Russia to the Ukraine, we there are other stuff that we do, you know. So and uh, and also yeah. other important stuff. So this this it it can't be the excuse for everything. Then uh, it was Corona. Now it's the Ukraine. There will be other unfortunate situations and and crises in the future, and so yeah. we need to get we need to get over this argument. Oh, there are other topics at the moment. And um, I think uh, the uh, legacy media have really failed all of us uh, over the last uh, few months, few weeks when um, when the David Grush story came out. I mean, it's really quite appalling, and it's a different topic. But I cannot fathom that this story and also the recent developments and also the hearings next week aren't properly being reported by legacy media. I mean, it is an insane situation. And um, I would also concur that uh, whatever is going to happen in uh, Germany or in Europe, for that matter, will largely hinge on the situation in the US. I think they need to be the forerunner. But it has to be a dual approach coming both probably from the government and from the media. And it 
as I said, right. I think it's really, really sad that the media is uh, refraining from engaging with this. And um, I mean, you know, the only possible excuse I could come up with is that they're lacking the language or basic understanding to engaging with this pro- with this for them probably a new problem. But then, come on, they're journalists. You know, they, there's a great story there to be grabbed. They just need to do it. So. I'm in actually I'm in contact with some very high ranking journalists from from big from big medias like newspaper and and outlets here in Germany of course I will not name now those but uh it's it's you're right it is a bit of uh, ridiculous because what I hear and not only from one when I approach them and I tell them about uh, very current uh, situation and development in the states They say, ah, yeah, I, we heard, or, the, or our editors, we heard about it, so we are aware about it, but we need to, we need, we want to wait and see how it develops. You know, first, this sounds reasonable, but no, it isn't. This is waiting until something develops is not journalism. Journalism happens in before that, you know. They, you are the journalists are the ones to investigate, maybe to, to even expose things, to find things out, to, yeah, to, to run, to run stories. It doesn't mean that you have to be uh, always the fastest. Uh, that is, of course, counter, counterproductive from, from a quality point of view. But saying, oh, we, we are aware of the grudge story and the allegations, but we want to wait and see. <laughs> this is, I mean, to be honest, this is not journalism, you know, this is, yeah, get the guy, do an interview with him, check his background and everything. That's what journalism is. And if you find out what so far, um, what we know about David Grush, you, you would, you need to say, okay, we need to run the story. But to be, to be fair, I mean, after some days and in the one or the other case, a week or so, um, many many outlets also here in Germany covered the story or the 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 um, Schumer initiative and things like this. So it's not like it was in the past that that nothing happens here. And I have to admit, you know, even if this is not my quality paper, but the biggest uh, newspaper in Germany, the Bild Zeitung, is doing actually in in most cases a good job reporting about UAPs um, and UFO developments. Of course, uh, some 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 headlines would not be my headline, but that's the Bild Zeitung, you know. Um, but the content, uh, there, there is especially, um, one journalist, uh, um, Matthias Bieder. He is very much into the topic and he writes good stuff, you know. It's, it's, it's well, it's well investigated. Even, even if you're, li- I mean, the Bild Zeitung, people hate it, people love it, people, Most people say they don't read it. Strange enough, everybody knows about the Bild Zeitung stories. So they are not a bad example. Of course, Bild is not the Frankfurter um, Allgemeine or the Faz or whatever, the, the, the Neue Zürcher Zeitung. It would be nice to have them as well covering the topic as decent. Yeah, But, just in um, brackets yeah. for our uh, international audience. So the uh, Bild Zeitung is like a tabloid um newspaper comparable to for instance the sun or um, the mirror in the uk just to throw in a few yeah. names uh, to a certain degree I yeah guess. of course yeah 
Um, great work and um, investigating actually, and what is good investigating brings us neatly um, to to your book, um, German UFO Files. Um, so, could you um, provide a bit of context from um, crop circles to this? How did this project emerge? Well, to be honest, uh, with crops, with doing um, doing scientific crop circle research for nearly thirty years. Um, there was there was a little bit time of change for me that that it's a too big topic now but also the crop circle situation changed a little bit and um so other other stuff became more interesting for me and of course my my journalistic work with Grenzwissenschaft aktuell with my website um gave me a wide insight and many contacts into also other fields And uh, yeah, as, as I explained already, when, when I realized there was no, um, compilation about the, about German UFO files and in many, in many uh, articles that, uh, that, uh, that I have read, I, I read, okay, there are no German UFO files or very little and, and, and very, um, files that are not important and no good cases or anything. And I realized this was not true. And then I decided to write the book my, on my own. And I never wanted to write a book that has, that has already been written. You know, I do not want to duplicate uh, other stuff. So I, I was looking for a way to, to present the files, but also within the files, sometimes this file reporting is, uh, of course, this is intrinsic. It is a bit dry, so to say. And I also put uh, into the book some of the best cases from sources which are maybe where, where there is not a, an official file but for example eyewitness that in in their own uh, profession have some sort of official um reputation like the like the like the chief uh, pilot the first chief pilot of the Luftdeutsche Lufthansa airline um Werner Utter Or even our most famous poet Goethe, who had this strange experience. And Goethe was not only a poet, but he was also um, a statesperson, you know, a politician. And so his his there's no file on his on his uh, observation, but I thought it would be nice to include this as well for the easy reading. And um, yeah, so I also wanted to write a book that <laughs> I say this. Uh, Uh, sometimes more or less a, as a joke i want to write a book that you do not have to hide when you when there are visitors when when you have when your when your mother-in-law comes and whatever so you can leave it on the which on the, potentially is never a good situation no, well, <laughs> in my case it's a very yeah. good situation because i have a very good uh, a very good relation with my <laughs> with my parents-in-law uh, yeah. and um, actually they helped me uh, investigating because they both are historians um so uh, but what i mean i'm so and this is what what i wanted to have you know a very a source referenced file that you that you look through and even as a skeptics you you cannot say oh what is this and no i don't believe this then i say okay look look the source and he comes to the to the german national archive to the bundes to the bundesarchiv uh, which is a good source you know it's yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a scientific incredible source and the bnd is even more credible if you will <laughs> um so, so how, yeah. how how did you go about getting the information so was there a foia process was it archival work how how did you get the information 
a kind of mix of everything. Um, I mean, we have the, uh, an equivalent of the FOIA, of the Freedom of Inter Information Act in Germany as well, but it is not as easy accessible as, for example, in the United States, where you can, I mean, this is now, of course, the very simplified version, but you can say, please send me everything you have about UAPs written by this or that uh, ministry or department for in, in the time frame of this and that, or each, co each, each public <clears throat> communication by email where the, where the top, uh, where the, the phrase UAP appears. This is something that you can do in the United States and it's amazingly efficient. You know, John Greenwald of the Blackwald uh, project, he, I mean, he, he gets amazing results. Uh, this, uh, this is not the way the German FOIA works, unfortunately. Uh, you need to know what you are looking for. So that is a problem if you want to look for files that you do not know if they even exist. So of course you do, the first thing is you do, you, you look in their, in their, um, <clears throat> in their list of content for the most obvious, uh, for the most obvious, uh, phrases and, 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 and hitting, hitting words. No, that's not the, uh, so for, 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 for phrases like UFOs or unidentified uh, aerial object, flying object, phenomena, flying disc, etc. And this is how, uh, for example, my colleague, uh, Dr. Ralph Bülow, uh, discovered that there was this, um, this, this file of the German intelligence service BND. Um, the file was still, um, there was still a mark on on the file that it, it was un, not possible to to read it until 2022 or no 21 but um i was already aware that that it does exist and then i tried to 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 start an opening process even before that um mm. 30 years time until it's uh, when it's still yeah. uh, classified and I was open, I was able to, to read into it. Uh, in other cases, it is like, for example, I not only cover Germany, I also cover Austria and Switzerland. And in Switzerland, it's funny. This was not my work, but a work by other researchers that the UFO files were not even listed as UFO files and not under UFO or flying disc or whatever. Any words, but uh, you, you you couldn't make that up. You had to search for the term "flying um, plates," so fleeing the teller, uh, which maybe is a Swiss thing, but um, no one would have ever looked for that. And so it was a fortunate discovery, and uh, and so and then a whole a whole batch of files was discovered. And sometimes it simply is luck, or um, we have the the very uh, the very first. Um, German official, so to say, UFO file from 1826 is a local file from local poli uh, politicians. And this is here where it actually happened in Saarbrücken. And it, this is just where I live. So sometimes it simply is luck. And then you have, of course, a nice opportunity to search for the original. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a hunt. And it's, yes. it's, it's it's going through archives and listings and yeah yeah it's it's, it's way more complicated than in the US from mm -hmm. uh, from from what I can tell so um, are these archives are they 
already digitized so can you search a database or is it really that you have to kind of you know you just can search, luck, yeah, yeah you can search databases um in most cases um it's not necessarily so that they have everything digitized so this is the other question you sometimes are left with you know is this really everything that they have or did sometimes there are files that are wrongly placed you know under wrong names for example not with intention but just because sometimes uh, somebody just brought them back and and didn't return them properly things like that so but you have a lot of digitized uh, content that you can search and sometimes you just it's just yeah it's uh, sorry it's research you know you, hmm. you you talk to people and they refer you to something and so it's the good old detective stories <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, you've already mentioned it quite a few times. And um, by that, we're jumping chronologically a bit ahead. But I think the um, BND UFO file is really worth exploring um, a bit more in detail. Um, yeah, could you give us a brief overview of what it contains and what its significance is? So this is, an, this is a file that's called uh, UFO and uh, unidentified uh, um, flying object over the inner German border, which was, of course, the border between East and West Germany. Uh, and the, the file, uh, the whole file was compiled in the 80s and with the intention uh, from Western Germany to, um, to observe um, activities in, in, on, the, on, the, on the inner German border and in East Germany, which was, of course, at the end, the Soviets. Um, so this this whole file is was not created with the intention of investigating possible extraterrestrial life. Um, it was similar to the situation we have now in the states, you know, where where UIPs are uh, regarded as a potential threat for national uh, security or military or an, an, an intelligence interest and less than from from a scientific point of view and so most of this of this file yeah okay let's let's again say again this 95% um which is i have no specific number for it but uh, literally most of of the of the described cases describe something that not only i but everybody would be able to see okay this was really a balloon with a camera on it or with a, with, a, with a espionage device or it was even contemporary drones which are not the the quad or hexacopters of our time the little ones so real ballistic drones they looked like uh, like rockets and ballistics and it's it's amazing to go through this uh, through this military history also how heavy all that stuff was at that time um and expensive and loud and and uh, and when they when they crashed they had to be to be uh, recovered and everything so yeah literally m most of the cases are especially from our perspective now uh, something like 30 years later we are very easily able to explain um, most of the cases very rational but as as it always is, there there are also cases within that are left unexplained uh, because of um, a lack in information and data about it, and so they have this uh, vague, uh, mysterious taste to it. 
But there's one special case, which is, I think, finally, it is also happened to be uh, one of Germany's most important because best documented um, UFO observations. Unfortunately, we have no footage or, <clears throat> or, photo, or, or photo images of the object, but it's very well documented for several reasons, which was an observation on the Isle of Fehmarn in 1986, where three and finally also a fourth um, official uh, officers of the border control um, observed this strange object, which was that bright, that it was nearly blinding them, just hovering, uh, coming from the sea. It's in the it's in the in the in the Baltic Sea, this island, and uh, coming from the sea and approached the ferry uh, station there and the police station, and it hovered something like fifty meters above them. It was not totally silent, but. Um, There was just like a humming sound. Yeah, I found that really intriguing because it kind of relates a lot of other UFO cases. I'm familiar with this kind of mm -hmm. low buzzing humming sound. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so they observed it. And so, and then finally it departed back over the sea and disappeared. And if you, if you, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but if you look into all the circumstances, From my point of view, and I also um, contacted military experts in technology, there's nothing that you could compare it to what was used at that time. The only thing would have been a kind of an airship or Zeppelin. Um, but then again, um, you would have to explain where the energy would have come from because the this thing itself was so bright that the that the witnesses were unable to to make out a um, a specific uh, shape of the object and um, so this was simply not the technology of that time it was not the uh, I, I was just able to 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 interview one of the of the witnesses that I found. Uh, by chance, more or less by chance, because I was on telev German television and he saw it and he called uh, he, uh, he called me up and then I finally was able to speak to several of the of the direct witnesses and he said the sound that he that this object made is as best uh, to be compared to uh, to today's uh, electric cars. You know, when a Tesla mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. starts, there, there's this strange. So this, uh, this, this was this, uh, this, what he says, this is, this is what comes closest uh, to everything that he knows from, from other motors. Um, and especially it was, of course, not a helicopter. And so the, but even more so, Uh, it was even more so of interest was that on the very same day, oh yeah, sorry, um, but I need to, 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 to explain this. Of course, there were investigations have been done at the time um, of, for nearby radar stations and, and other military installations. And there was simply no explanation for anything approaching uh, Feyman Island um, at that time. And Then on the very same day, by chance, 300, something like less than 300 kilometers away, there was an incursion of a Soviet helicopter into West Germany territory. 
And about this event, where we know the object, where we know when it happened, there's also a whole file, not in this UFO file, but in another BND file that I discovered. And so, and we know everything about this helicopter incursion. It was a big political issue at that time. It, um, we know that the, 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 the way it took, um, we know when it entered German territory, when it left German territory, Western German ter territory. And we, so we know everything. And as said, there is, there's a whole file about it with even the aftermath where we, uh, politicians from the East and the West met about this and discussed it and excuses were expressed and everything. So, And this is the interesting thing. So we have two similar events caused by complete different objects. And in one case, we have literally nothing because it didn't leave any trace, but, but it was observed <clears throat> and described. Uh, and in the other case, we know everything about it. And you can very nicely compare uh, those things against each other. And you see, okay, there's, it's different. And even more so, um, the guy who wrote the, the report, the original report, I'm also in contact with him. Um, he said that he's also sent out a, a press release from to the local press, which was common for all sorts of things, like with this helicopter incursion. But this uh, press, uh, he was, when he sent out the press release, the, the, he was called by higher officials who took this, uh, who took it back, who said, you're, you're not allowed to, to report it to, to the press. And he had to go through some sort of trouble to get it not published by the local press. And it's he said, like Roswell. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. So it's, it's very, it's very interesting to, to see that the same things happened also here in Germany. And he said that never happened before and afterwards, you know, with, with an event. Um, so this is interesting, but there's also, uh, something, um, Some things that that I tell you now have not been published yet, uh, because uh, I I was uh, the, this talking with this eyewitness. Uh, I was just able a few weeks ago, and uh, and the, and I found this this helicopter file also some months ago. This shows you how important it is to follow a story, not only not to leave it with with one uh, file that you discovered or one uh, witnesses you talk to. So this is a very nice example that um yeah what it needs what needs to be done to do proper investigation and you need a long uh yeah langer atem what is this in english um you need a little stamina yeah, so, so to say yeah but um i just i just had uh, i just brought uh, brought him actually to the train station um a, a very good friend of mine and colleague um Mike Siphon, he is the one who created the new um, Society for UAP uh, Research. Um, uh, and we talked about it and we realized that in this case, you know, we always have this question about uh, how credible are eyewitness accounts and um, about the quality of anecdotal evidence compared to factual uh, evidence. And I realized in our discussion that we had um, that in this case, these four um, um, officers of the of the border patrol and the guy who wrote actually the report, 
they were they are not uh, they are not classical UFO uh, witnesses because what they observed and what they reported in their report they didn't report a flying saucer or anything they just reported their usual duty you know they they also told me that at that time they were unaware, uh, unaware that what they observed was literally an unidentified flying object they just described as they usual as as what they usually do an event they were they were not reporting it as a ufo and that makes it inter- excuse me the, this uh, this makes the whole story even more so uh, interesting because um you cannot say oh they try to um to describe it to make themselves interesting or anything they were just technically reporting something that they that the four of them observed from different vantage points and so if we are precise in that discussion there are no your there are no classical ufo witnesses even if they are but they they became ufo witnesses even later or 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 later when we when we um reviewed the the case so that mm. is uh, a fascinating completely new facet of this of this whole event which is very important i think was there any attempt on the part of the bnd apart from giving a report within the file to interpret the uh, phenomenon what they what they witnessed either in terms of military intelligence or just you know a general comment as to what it might have been no the the report uh, states that that there was no re- no explanation for it because there were no further data which is of course some some skeptics might say okay this is the lame part of it but you know the, con- the these four witnesses themselves uh, confirm each other and um it, 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 if you w- if one would doubt this case you need to doubt also other cases in this file where where skeptics are very uh, happy to accept that they are a ballistic drone you know so uh, you have to you cannot you cannot choose uh, uh, free out of your of your personal choice here um the interesting thing is that in the report itself the author of which uh, with whom i'm in contact um of the report who wrote the report who was not uh, a direct witness but he was he spoke with the direct witness at that time and he was also the guy who made the contact to them uh, for me um in the report he demands or he 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 requests to be informed about any further development or any further insight into this and that never happened and that was actually also the stuff that made him kind of um not angry but uh, be kind of a bit of annoyed because that he never got a reply about it and i've uh, yeah combined with this uh with this re- redaction uh, retraction redaction of the mm-hmm. of the press release um i think it's a fascinating facet that as we see because we have this comparison with the, with the helicopter incursion at the same day hours mm-hmm. later um there it was not the case you know and this mm-hmm. was this was a literal threat because this was mm-hmm. not only a, a simple helicopter it was a fighting helicopter an armed helicopter this was really um uh, something this would have been an an event 
that you uh, in the view in the review of today you could you could you would have understand if they would say oh we cannot report about that you know this would show our weakness at the border control and everything you know yeah. Yeah, but they didn't it does seem and this is perhaps a bigger topic we can at least superficially address now it does seem that the um East-West uh, topic plays a big role in all these files to to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think what's also quite interesting for our audience to understand is how in the GDR the entire UAP topic was handled because there's a super interesting um, um, chapter in your book um, dealing with the kind of ontological status mm-hmm. of uh, UAPs in um, in the GDR. And it's something I wasn't really aware of. I mean, I was brought up um, in a different country anyways, but, um, you know, so in, in the West, but... Um, it's uh, it's fascinating that this topic was was completely um you know scapegoated in a way could you perhaps elaborate a bit on that how to be to be honest i am not the expert in that because that mm-hmm. chapter in my book is is not been written by myself but by uh dr andreas anton um who i think this was his i don't know if this was his his thesis or anything for his for his PhD, but he wrote a whole uh, academic book about the paranormal in the in the German Democratic Republic. So he is really the guy uh, to talk to, and I would I mm-hmm. can strongly recommend uh, him being a next guest uh, for 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 your podcast. Um, but yes, I mean he he shows in in in, in this chapter and, and even more so in his very extensive book. Um, that topics like UFOs, but not only UFOs, but the whole range of paranormal phenomena was regarded as something, something to put it in, in my simple terms as a, as a non-academic, well, I'm not a non-academic, but I'm not a, I have no PhD and I'm not, I have not, uh, I, I, so I'm, yeah, let's say part uh, academic. Um, so in my simple terms, um, uh, the paranormal paranormal issues of course they were experienced by the people of the gdr but it was not very uh not something that the that the government really liked and they called it especially they called ufos um something like a stupidity of the west you know and uh, an attempt to uh, to undermine um yeah, the the public uh, the public interest in in real serious stuff. So it was like um, like the communists said that uh, religion is the opium of the for the public. Um, a similar a similar approach. Uh, of the GDR had a very uh, I don't know if this is an English word. Andreas Anton would uh, as that would know much better. Um, uh, scientific. Mm-hmm. Um, um, way of 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 public life of politics, um, yeah, a more scientific uh, approach to it, and mm-hmm. they they thought uh, even there was there were very few books on it, but even those books who who were printed in the GDR made explained UFOs away as an illness by the sick. Uh, spirit of the West uh, and of the compromised mm-hmm. West and everything. 
So, so but also from my from my crop circle research, I know that um, crop circles existed in the GDR or were discovered, but uh, there were um, yeah there were attempts made. Uh, people said yeah you're not you you do not really want to go into these things uh, because it was not nice to be to to be even called a crazy at that time, so to say. No, and um, so what happened then with UFO sightings in the GDR. I mean, I think probably the most famous one is the Kreiswald incident, just, um, you know, just as about, um, as the Iron Curtain collapsed, more or less. <clears throat> so was this something that was then kind of taken up in, in the public awareness? And is there a file on this? Because it's uh, quite, a, quite a big case, probably the, uh, well, one of the best known ones. Okay, of course, it was not a, a file of of Eastern Germany anymore because Eastern Germany did mm -hmm. not exist anymore. Um, th there's also a chapter uh, within the book <clears throat> um, that has been written by Marius Kettmann, who is an historian, um, and he tried to find traces in the files, so to say, in in Soviet files, because it, there's this idea that the Greifswald uh, lights or the Greifswald objects, which were filmed by and seen by hundreds, maybe thousands of tourists, because it was seen from, from, from the coastline at the Baltic Sea, um, so it was very visible from, mm -hmm. from cities like Greifswald or, uh, from the island of Rügen and things like that. Um, so many, there, there are hundreds and maybe thousands of, of witnesses and we have many photos and even, even early uh, video, uh, footage of it. Um, so that it, it was there very early on, there was the idea that it could be flares, military flares from the Soviets. Which is an, a, a theory that has been followed by some, but we still cannot prove it because there was, um, it was, uh, of course, understandably due to the political situation. It was a bit of chaos at that time and no one really knew who was responsible for what. And the Soviets were, were withdrawing, but still, but were still present and active. And so we have confronting, um, confronting claims. Uh, from from researchers and from it, it's it's a matter of uh, who you who they have talked to, if the scenario of flares is legit or not, and um, so this was quite this was covered quite extensively, but not anymore by the German Democratic Republic uh, um, bodies and institutes institutions. Um, but there were other cases uh, beforehand. And we uh, also searched. Uh, not only I. I mean, I, I'm. To, this this is uh, very important for me. I'm not the first researcher who uh, who did uh, research into UFO files in Germany. There were others as well uh, who, like Ilopan von Ludwig, uh, um, Robert Fleischer did did stuff. So there there are there are many others um, which I also credit uh, and, and quote in the book. Um, but uh, there, there are, for example, cases and files from the from the intelligence service of the former GDR, the um, the Stasi, the Staatssicherheit. But very little UFO cases. Some cases were were are in the files and are described. One over Magdeburg, for example. Mm -hmm. But it is it is not not more than just basic, very basic descriptions. In another instance of a UFO file from the Stasi, 
it is more or less a, pre, a collection of press clippings from how Western, uh, how, how, how Western, uh, West German, um, news outlets reported about the event. So there was nothing of, uh, not, no substantial, um, yeah, uh, takeaway from, from these files. There were more, like a newspaper clipping collections than, mm. than anything else. And I think this actually brings us to um, two really important points you, you make towards the end of, um, of the book. And um, one is that, um, well, is the sample of files we have in Germany representative of everything that might have been documented? And if I understood um, correctly, um, given the um, you know political situation, that probably at this moment isn't the case because it might not be in Germany because you know the East was uh, more or less a satellite state of the Soviet Union, and likewise the West was uh, you know heavily under the influence of um, the um, the Allies. So um, so it's so the question more or less is: Have attempts been made, or would you? Is there something you would? Um, kind of have on your mind in the future to look for German-related UFO cases in, the, in in what is nowadays Russia, if that's at all possible. I have no idea. It might be possible in, in the US with Project Blue Book, and I think there is even a reference to mm -hmm. that or even a chapter to that in, in, in your book um, where you look for German cases and Project Blue Book. Yeah. As, as you just mentioned, um, I also have an, a chapter on the German cases or there's even Swiss cases mentioned in Blue Book. And that shows you that uh, there were these cases not only reported by the public, but also taken serious by the United States uh, Air Force UFO investigators of that time. And of course, those files do not appear as a German file because, as you said, Germany was in the 60s, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, was under under heavy influence, and not um, we we were we were so to say in many cases, especially in military and intelligent cases, not uh, master of our own home. And um, so we see with the Blue Book files that reports went to Washington. Uh, or more likely to Washington than to Berlin, for example, or to Bonn, uh, not talk about Bonn at that, of that time. So it is, uh, it's very likely that, um, that important observations and maybe discoveries, maybe even <laughs> when we now, we now live in the post grush era, we, we talk <laughs> about, um, wreckage, uh, wreckage, yeah. uh, recovery, uh, operations. That they were not sent to to the Max Planck Institute for Materialforschung for for material sciences, but they were sent to whatever lab in the United States, or even even more so uh, to 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 Moscow or something. That is very likely, and not only likely, but as shown. Sorry to re to repeat myself, but um, with the with the blue book files, it was actually even factually the case. And uh, I also uh, show in the very first time in a in a publication uh, uh, an, a, a memorandum from from the from the Bavarian military government in from 1945, I think it is. I have to look it up again. But very early on, where Germany was totally under under 
the military and political political control of the allies and bavaria was uh, was governed by by the united states um corps and um they this is a this is a, an inquiry or a demand from 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 the, from the american government to report all ufo sighting especially if, funny enough it's a quote especially those of flying discs to uh, back to washington immediately you know so here we have it black and white on on official documents that this was uh, actually not only the case but also the duty of the of the officers and and i guess not only of american or english or brit uh, french and, and russian officers but also of those uh, of those german uh, equivalents in later times uh, to report uh, things of special interest yeah to washington or moscow than to bonn or berlin and um just on a on a slight tangent here um Because I'm sure my our listeners are going to ask, um, have is there have there been rumors or any sort of you know anecdotes about um, crash retrieval operations, exotic materials um, within Germany ever, or is this something we just can't comment on because there is no no evidence? This is this is something that I I have to admit is not covered in the book. I <laughs> actually I'm writing on the second part already where this where this will be covered. Um, there are there are some rumors about crashes on German territory. There's one rumor, of course, that something crashed near Rammstein, and another thing uh, that something crashed in the Northern Sea. But as you just mentioned, it's uh, I was unable so far to to find out more about it. It seems not to be more than than rumors and 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 fancy reports about it, but it's it's nothing of substantial quality at the moment. But that that may change. You know, I try um that there's that there are maybe some possibilities to do foyers in the states. And as uh, John Greenwald is a, is a is a is a colleague of mine, so we We will see how that develops, but this is, of course, an interesting idea because it is very likely, especially under the political situation in, in Cold War, that if something crashed and if the Americans had this crash retrieval program, that they would have also brought it to the states. But as said, there's no substantial evidence to it. The files are silent, so to say. There is this this German expression, "die die Akten schweigen." Um, <clears throat> Which is, of course, also the uh, the very same case. And not only are the, the are the do the files uh, are the files um, quiet, but they uh, they really shut their mouths when it comes to ideas of German um, of of German Nazi uh, developments as an explanation for the UFO phenomenon. This is a this is a, an afterwards uh, fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, Where there is really, I mean, I really went into into archives. I went to to those uh, people that were in charge, uh, who were actually in charge of the of the development of the development program of the Nazi regime to build new weapons, to build to to, to test new technologies. Uh, you can you can go wherever you wherever you like to to people, and I mean Werner von Braun is only the 
the biggest, most most well known uh, name. There are others who who were more important than Werner von Braun, believe it or not, but who had real insight into everything about all sort of uh, weapon development departments in the Nazi regime. And there, no one of them talks about uh, flying discs like uh, the Reichsflugscheiben uh, myth, uh, myths. So, and and I was really, you know, I was open to the possibility because who knows, you know. And but and I would have reported about it, but I could I could not confirm all these online rumors. They show these these fabricated images from, in my point of view, and even some some photographs of, of alleged documents, but um, yeah. it's something I never really followed because it didn't really interest me that much. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just remember that a few years ago, just story with like, uh, yeah, you know, Nazi flying discs was huge. And um, it just seemed, I just, I don't know, I always had a bad gut feeling about this. So I never really followed right. up on it, but, um, but yeah, it's great that you did. So. Yeah, I said, you know, yeah. this gut yeah. feeling is should should of course even even if yeah. it's understandable, but it should never be the yeah, basis yeah. for the decision to investigate something or not. And I know there are other authors who claim the opposite, but um, and also there there are there are also other authors uh, who who have researched it even more extensive than I did. Uh, Andreas Kramer from the from the GEP, for example. He wrote an own book about it, and there's even a new book uh, that came out, I think, last year uh, about the Reichsflugscheiben mythos, which is this myth about the, the the secret German flying disc development. And none of them who were part of them are very good, uh, very professional academic historians who had even more um spend even more time into the archives and i think as as it was with me you know i was i was open for the idea because i i never uh, do want to exclude something even if i as you i had my gut feeling by reading all these alleged claims and it was always this thing like um those were these nazi veterans and they reported after the world war it's always this this narrative oh if we would have had two more weeks or two more months then we would have won the war because then we would have had the wunderwaffe and or the atomic bomb and everything would have been great and yeah i mean this is understandable for from their point of view you know to live their life that they had and uh, and everything but as said you know up, up until now all file sources um, that you can properly investigate are silent. And so I think there's there's no flesh and bone to this myth. Yeah. No, well, great. Thanks a lot. I'm really glad we went on this little tangent because I'm sure it would have come up in questions later anyway. So thanks a lot. Um, so in concluding, because you've already been very generous with your time, there are two final issues. One you already addressed actually at the beginning. And um, I just want to kind of zoom in on the future a bit. And this is the kind of, you know, how technology works and are we actually, or is the German government military actually looking for UFOs? Because, as we've seen with the, um, you know, supposed balloons in, in the US, uh, they then kind of turned their radar 
up a notch and um, all of a sudden they do see things. So do we know anything in Germany? Has, have things, has, has there been any sort of adjustment? Has something leaked? Do you know this? Or? Well, I, I specifically asked this to the, to the German um, Ministry of Defense and they said they did not adjust their uh, radar. It's even funny enough because in my book, based on the work that has been done by the unfortunately just recently dis, uh, departed or deceased, um, very important and pioneer of German UFO research, Illo Brandt von Ludwiger, um, uh, that we know that uh, our radar, as well as the Americans, and, and I heard it, we heard it also from Australia, for many decades they were adjusted in such a way that they could that they were that they could hardly detect any objects that were behaving in let's say exotic ways and it's so to 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 explain it i try to do it very fast if you imagine a radar uh, a radar um screen you see this finger going around <clears throat> like a clock and if there's a detection the the computerized system creates an an uh, a space where under all circumstances that we understand and know, so normal planes, um, uh, helicopters, uh, drones, and everything, we know how fast they can be in, in a maximum and in, in a minimum uh, thing, what kind of trajectories they can follow. And so the system creates an, um, a foreseeing where this, this target should appear when, and, and the next round, when the finger goes another round. And if the object does not appear, it creates a wider space uh, where this object should appear in the next round. And after three rounds or four rounds, if the object does not show up in this expected space, um, the signal will be deleted from screen to keep the screen um, uh, yeah, readable, so to say. And this is not something to to cover up your UAPs or UFOs, but it has a very technical and very, um, yeah, very, very basic uh, reason to, as said, to keep the screen readable and manageable. Uh, which is of course fine when you want to when you want to track uh, objects that you know of, but as soon as there are objects who, for example, suddenly stop in midair, which a which a plane cannot do, uh, or flies a ninety degrees angle, zigzagging away, or flying or um, speeding up faster than Mach three or maybe four, five ish, whatever. Um, then these these objects will be deleted as well. So um, if German uh, military claims that they never detected a UAP that they could not later explain, that could be the truth in a way, um, because they cannot detect them. And they they openly admit that not only the German but also Austrian um, military representative. Uh, said, uh, yeah, uh, admitted that, and of course there was. There's nothing to admit because it actually is is, is factual knowledge and science. So the Americans they changed that in the face of the so-called <clears throat> Chinese balloons, and um, and I, I would I would really like to stress this because especially in, in German media, uh, you still hear when they report about it that not only was the first big balloon a chinese balloon but also that the other shot down objects were balloons as well and 
you know, like it or not, this is simply not true. The public until until this day does not know what these objects was, what these objects were. If they were balloons, which is possible, which I do not want to exclude, but claiming they were all balloons is simply not based on what has been published so far. And uh, so they changed, as you as you explained, their data settings, and suddenly they they even uh, admitted that they see more of these strange things. They uh, they adjusted their radars to in, in to that an extent that they now can track slower and much faster objects flying at at, at higher altitude uh, and maybe even lower altitude. I'm not sure about that, but and it, with more exotic trajectories. Oh, that's a hard word trajectories um, than they have been able uh, before. And I asked, uh, I said, the German German, um, Department of Defense, and they said, well, we did not change our settings and we see no reasons to do so. There's no further explanation why our most power, I mean, uh, military uh, potent and powerful partner, the United States, are doing something, detecting um, objects of national security interest, and we don't see a reason for for not uh, for doing so. That's still to me a mystery, and it's I cannot fathom. You know, from again, not from a scientific point of view, not from a military point of view, not from an intelligence point of view. I mean, what would happen if? If, for example, let's 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 keep in, in the in the current imagery, uh, Russia develops um, a, a missile that flies Mach eight, and it hits Berlin. And in the aftermath, they say, "Well, we couldn't foresee that because our systems are not adjusted for the for for for, for cases uh, that we did not foresee." You know, it's ridiculous. You know, of course you need to be prepared, even for even if it is not from 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 space, even if it is from a foreign um, from from a foreign country. We we need to be prepared uh, for for first contact, and again from all sorts of things, from from scientific point of view, political, social, yeah. uh, social society point of view. That's there's no reason for not being. prepared. Uh, not to be prepared. No, completely with you there. And speaking of preparation, um, do you, with because you're um, involved and you have lots of sources, um, do you have a suspicion there might be German whistleblowers? Because we live in an age of whistleblowing and uh, revelations. Um, would you make any informed suggestion that this might happen after what might be unfolding in the US that people here in Germany might be coming forward or I don't think to that extent as we see it in the United States because I really have the feeling that we do that we never had projects uh like like blue book or anything um we had even in German military I found a, a file from the from the Bundeswehr which is the German army um, a UFO file, but this was more or less a newspaper clipping collection uh, or other files where they try to get some sort of an overview and insight into the current state of international yeah, events and, and positions of other countries. I have the feeling there really wasn't, there never was a, a bigger UFO project. Of course, I could be damn wrong. But um, I think this, as we discussed already, due to the political situation that we had until 
the mid 90s um other other countries were in charge for things like this what i know of is that we had um high ranking officials from 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 the arm from from the from the department of defense the the army bodies and um and also in science or in air traffic in, in air traffic um who, who are and who have been um very credible ufo witnesses like Werner Utter who was the very first after the war the very first chief pilot of the german lufthansa as well as the chief pilot of the austrian airlines and in my book i also cover um i also cover a case of a nearby of a near um downing of a of a german military helicopter and this uh the crew of this helicopter was is is known to to ufo researchers and the guy who wrote the who wrote the report um who, who was he was fly he, he was part of the crew and at that time um he was uh, i can say that much he was a very big figure in german army um so i will not i will not say his name because he has to decide this himself but um yeah so there are these these big names so to say who could come forward as well maybe not of whistleblowers because there was there's no whistle to blow but with their stories and with their experiences and then people would wake up and say wow that is amazing uh, that that people like him or her um uh, are going public with their observations which would not be would which still would be anecdotal evidence but i'm one of the school um out of from that school who who do appreciate um even anecdotal uh, uh witnesses and yeah. evidence as an important part maybe of course not as tale telling as a radar signature but um people and humans are also um sensors sometimes very good sensors of course it is the our duty as researchers to find out if credible or not and to what extent but um yeah so i can tell also from the feedback that i get um that there are sometimes people and the public would wonder who has seen ufo's and is not telling it publicly and i mean this is internationally um but also where we where we now see people like gary nolan for example even if he now has become a ufo figure five years ago um he was he was no ufo figure he started to investigate this this little mummy and things like this but everybody only knew him from uh, from his very academic profession uh at uh where is he is it Harvard? Stanford Stanford yeah, yeah. Mm. and um and he already then he told me uh when we had a conversation that this experience uh, go back uh, within his family so this is a story that he now publicly uh, tells that he didn't at that time uh, and when he told me that and uh, he said he, he he's telling this in confidence to me i really thought wow you know if you if you are going to tell this to to your colleagues and uh, they would go crazy you know and now we have people like Avi Loeb and yep. and even even professor Hakan Kayal he is i mean he's a very 
very important figure and uh, for German for the development in Germany for the respect and the uh, and the uh, and the reputation that the topic got and became not only in in the public awareness but also especially in the media here in Germany. So he's doing very important work, even if he is relatively, I mean, pub, public wise new to the topic. But uh, his interest, this is something that he also expressed in interviews uh, into the topic, was because his father was a direct UFO witness. And he said there's no reason for him to doubt his father telling the truth. So, yeah, no, no real, to make a long saying short, um, no real whistleblowers. I'm not, I don't think that this will happen. But yeah, very interesting public uh, figures could come up and admit, okay, we are experiences or whatever you want to call it, uh, visit, uh, witnesses or believers and everything. So that could be interesting. Well, that's a very exciting uh, note to close on. So thanks, Andreas. You've been uh-huh. super generous with your time. I can no, hardly say I very much enjoyed this. And, um, you know, um, as someone who worked in academia, I can really only commend you on your work because there's so much uh, rigor and scientific scrutiny behind it. Um, I know how much work it is to put together a book that's actually uh, reliant upon historical sources and to vet them and so on. So really bravo, excellent work. Um, Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah. And um, so could you um, perhaps repeat where people can find you? And I will definitely also include that in the description so people can click on the links. Well, you can, of course, find my book in, in all bookstores and Amazon and whatever. Um, well, Andreas Müller and UFO Acton, that should, that should find it. Even the new book, which is the prologue to my to, to, to Deutschland's UFO-Akten, which is uh, Deutschland's historische UFO-Akten, translating to Germany's historic UFO files, starting in the 8th century and dealing with, uh, with some, some well-known but other yet completely unknown um, uh, cases that were described in documents uh, in, in the centuries after until 1900. Um, and of course, you can find my, my, unfortunately, it's only in German, my, my news website, which is www.grenzwissenschaft-aktuell.de. Uh, that's hard for English speaking. Uh, we'll put readers. it in the description. Okay. Yeah. Great. So that, that may help. And, um, yeah, I think this is, this is the place to find me and. Excellent. Lovely. Thanks a lot, Andreas. And hopefully, um, talk again soon. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thanks.